Operation Autumn Hope, and The Big Tech 3 Take the Stand. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for October 31st, 2020. Jason Cousin and I, Eric Visk, start the show talking about the success of Operation Autumn Hope and the recovery of 45 missing children in Southern Ohio and Southern West Virginia. We also talk about the consequences of taking politicians too seriously and sometimes not taking them seriously enough. Jay and I spend the rest of the show discussing the Senate hearings and the grillings of the CEOs from Google, Twitter, and Facebook. Do we really want the government to have a say in what is and isn't allowed on social media? And we share an explanation of why alternative platforms such as Parlay, MeWe, Minds, and Gab are the only answers to the dilemma of social media censorship. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind-the-scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Fedora Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away and we will pass along a special gift to you as a thank you. Our email address is fedorachronicle at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter at Fedora Chronicle. Once again, here's Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicles. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I'm going to surprise you with something. Okay. Live on the air, surprising you with something. Have you heard about, I don't know what the name of, it's, there were 45 missing children that were rescued in Ohio earlier this week. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I tweeted about that on Parlay. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we talk about that just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Just All right. A little speaky-speaky. Little 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 talky talky chat chat about the kids. Talky talky chat chat. Yeah. Forty five missing children that were rescued. Hundred and seventy nine shithole people arrested. Operation dubbed Autumn Hope. Yep. So I'm reading from the article in um, the New York Post. Yes. So those of you who have Twitter probably won't be able to know about this. (laughs) Because of something we're going to be talking about later in the week, later in the show. So. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to post something about um, that that was uh, originally published on the New York Post? I'm sorry. No, you can't do that. You can't tweet yeah. about that. But you know, according to Jack Dorsey, they're doing better now. They've <laughs> reevaluated that, and yeah. Right. Anyway, Jack Dorsey's so, got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn, by the way. Yeah. Right. So there's um, 
apparently they were using teenagers to help them abduct more children. And this happened in Ohio. It happened in um, West Virginia. This was a multi-state sting operation. Um, so last month there was 35 kids that they found during Operation Safety Net. And, you know, to me, this is the stuff where one of the chilling things in the documentary about Jeffrey Epstein that they showed on on Netflix was in the end, at the end of it, one of the last interviews they did with, uh, I think it was Virginia. I um, can't remember her last name. Dupre. Anyway, I think it's Dupre. I'm not. Dupre. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And one of the chilling things to me was the last time they the last time they had her interview up on screen, she said, now that we've found him, perhaps we can work on the others. Yes. Or words to that effect. Yeah. Which scares the fuck out of you when you realize he is not the head of or the cause of that entire chain. Yeah. In it. And we don't even know enough to know if he's a big cog or a little cog. No, we don't know. We really don't. No, we don't know enough. We don't know shit. So, just I always like to see children being rescued. It'd be better if we didn't have to have any of these stories because children aren't going missing. But yeah. you know what? As long as kids are going missing, I like finding out that they get rescued and that people are being arrested and going to prison. Hopefully, yeah. We also have a link on the show page from the U.S. Marshal Service. Um, U.S. Marshals recover 45 missing children, Columbus, Ohio. During the month of October, the U.S. Marshals Service in southern Ohio and northern West Virginia, in conjunction with the Ohio Attorney General's Office and the Central Ohioan, Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force, participated in Autumn Hope. Operation Autumn Hope was a multi-agency enforcement enforcement operation based on human trafficking and location and recovering of missing and exploited children during the operation 45 missing children children were recovered by the u.s marshals and 179 arrests were made in central ohio traffic human um, made, were made by the central ohio human trafficking task force in addition 20 children were located per request of law enforcement to ensure the child's well-being the operation was supported by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ohio State and local agencies. Um, during one of the missing children's recoveries, a loaded gun was recovered. A 15-year-old male juvenile had two warrants and is suspected in multiple shootings and a homicide. Another case involved a high-risk 15-year-old girl who was missing from Cleveland. Information developed from that recovery linked her and possible victims to another individual in Columbus suspected for human trafficking. So the things, these guys are like freaking cockroaches. These human traffickers are like cockroaches. Because it's like if you see one, you know that there are more hiding you know, um, in the walls and under the floor. Yeah, yeah they're hiding in the shadows. These bastards. As they used to say in one of my favorite westerns, hanging is too good for them. Right. These these are people who, this is one of the things about our penal system, which is far from perfect, but anyone who hurts children tends to be at the bottom of the, the totem pole. Right. And they get, in my opinion, they get what they deserve. Right. So, 
enjoy prison because I I know your inmates will. <laughs> right. Right. They're going to be having. Yeah. They're. Yeah. yeah so yeah. But that's that's a happy ending to a otherwise yes. horrible story. So yes. um, you can read the entire the entire press statement from the U.S. Marshal Services um, on a link on the show page. So, and I think that that's actually what we're going to call this episode. I think we are going to call this episode Operation Autumn Hope. Because, I don't know why, I feel so optimistic today. Good. That's so, awesome. So, I mean, um, another, another thing I wanted to sort of also open the show up. Unless, do you have anything else on this issue on the human trafficking? Nope, nope. Let's jump into it, dude. All right. Um... So I'm actually scrolling on my Facebook page here, and I had po- I had shared this meme, and the me it's it's um it's you know the Lisa Simpson uncomfortable truth seminar that she's like t- Lisa Simpson's TED talk as it were yes and it was the people who take politicians seriously are the same people who think the stripper likes them. <laughs> yes, I saw that and. Um, one of my Facebook friends had said something that I thought um, was necessary to talk about for a little bit. And this might be a perfect segue, as long as I don't pop my peas too much. This could be the perfect segue to the next portion of the show. And Paul writes, we have to take politicians seriously. When you ignore them, they make laws without you. I don't understand anything about this statement. Talk this way about reality TV stars, which is, I think, is is a, is a slam towards Trump, obviously. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, he's not wrong, but from my own personal experience, there are there are some politics. We take some politicians too seriously, or we make them into um, celebrities or um, cultural icons. And we tend to forget that not only are they people, but most likely they're lawyers or former lawyers or somebody with a law degree who has delusions of grandeur. And one of the really great awakenings that I had in my life was a couple of years back when um, Jennifer Horn was running for, I think she was running for Congress. And Jennifer Horn was... She's she's an up-and-coming rising star in um, New Hampshire politics. Wouldn't it be nice if I had Jennifer Horn's um, Wikipedia page up right now? I think somebody is is leaving here. Jennifer Horn. Uh, Let's see. So she... Founder for New Hampshire's 2nd Congressional District. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think here. So, so I'm not. So the thing is, is that she ran twice, and I helped her out in in two of her campaigns. Um, from for from her Wikipedia page, um, in 2008, in the 2008 campaign for representative for the second con- congressional district of New Hampshire, Jennifer Horn ran against incumbent Paul Hodes. Horn defeated four other primary opponents in her first political race. The campaign included a televised event, which I watched. 
which I watched with some of my fellow conservative friends in, in town. And then she ran again in 2010. Now, in 2008, um, the night before the election, I had about 50 Jennifer Horn yard signs to put up all over town, all over the town of Wrench. And I was up until probably maybe 11 o'clock midnight putting up signs for Jennifer Horn. And I really liked Jennifer Horn. And Jennifer Horn was just, she's, she's just a, a kind of like, she's a sweet um, middle-aged woman who has these great ideas. And I thought I was doing a great thing. And I was like, and I was a little punch drunk, drunk and I was putting like the, 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 the signs up. And, and it's, if you know anything about October in New England, especially in New Hampshire, it is exceptionally cold. <laughs> yes it's it's especially cold in october in late october after a rainstorm and it's the or or when it's you you know when it's uh it's drizzling out yes and that cold like it gets into your bones and it's like that brittle cold where everything feels fragile right um and i did that right and i put that out and um and and well, I did my part. I did I did what I could for uh, to get this woman elected. I did I played my part. And um, a couple of months later, it's uh, they're saying they're having a party for Jennifer and her supporters. Please feel free to come. It's in Bedford, New Hampshire. It's at this really nice posh place. We can't wait to see you. And I, and I I said, hey, Carol, we've been invited to this. And Carol's like, oh, I can't go, but you go. You have a good time. Say hello to everybody for me. And I went there and it was it was really nice to just hang out with other Jennifer Horn supporters. And I got to stand next to Jennifer Horn while they were giving her a special plaque, a special award for um, for her, the wonderful campaign that she had. And that even though she lost, she stuck to her principles. So I like it when a politician sticks to their principles. You know what I mean? I like it more when I agree with those principles, but I do like it when they stick to their principles. I do too. So then at the end of the night, they were like, Eric, um, we can't find your check. <laughs> oh, jeez. What, 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 what do you mean by check? Oh, did, didn't, didn't, didn't you know, um, <laughs> This is a fundraiser for Jennifer. <laughs> I, I like, yeah, I volunteered to help. <laughs> right. And it was just like, um, yeah, because the thing is, is, is that Jennifer kind of like ran over, over budget and we're trying to help her kind of like recoup some of her, her losses that for her financial losses for running. And, and we, we just want to know how much, <laughs> how much can, how much can you give? And I'm kind of like, <laughs> I was under the impression I was I was under the impression that this was a, a party for us uh, to thank us for our support. And he said, well, yeah, it's that, too. <laughs> but but and so and I'm kind of like, OK, all right. So it's like I left and I went to the ATM machine and I <laughs> withdrew 50 bucks. Um, and in the and the uh, on the way back, um. 
I felt kind of used. Yeah. And I, I felt especially used um, on two different levels. And um, I think that's probably the second to the last time that I really ever thought that I would get excited about a political candidate and not take it so seriously. And later on, Kelly Ayotte ran and I threw in my entire support for Kelly Ayotte. And I even like debated with people on some de- uh, some town halls for Kelly Ayotte. And I mean, Kelly, she's she's probably what you can best call her. She's she's a rhino, a Republican in name only. Yeah. And but she does have I mean, she does have some conservative values like she is. I believe she's she was or she still is very pro Second Amendment. I remember Kelly Ayotte saying, what part of these rights shall not be infringed? Do you not understand? I believe that that was one of her rally calls that that, that she had. And um, I was very happy to see that she beat Paul Hodes. I was very happy to see that she defeated Paul Hodes, who was Paul. Hodes, let's just say that Paul Hodes was a bit of a weasel. And I and I met him on two occasions and I caught and the second time I saw him, I, I got him in a game of gotcha where I discovered he had no no idea what was in the bill that he was pushing so hard. And Kelly Ayotte had said, listen, I'm not going I'm, I'm not going to throw my support behind Donald Trump unless he's the nominee, because um, he he's problematic. And she she stuck to her guns. She said she would not endorse Donald Trump. She would not get behind Donald Trump. And the, Repu- and the Republicans in the state voted her out. They would rather see Kelly Ayotte lose to Maggie Hassan. I believe it was Maggie Hassan. Who is... I can't really say anything bad about Maggie Hassan without getting um, making some personal remarks and some some crude statements um i i i don't i don't think that she is a um maggie hassan is one of those people who um the less you say about her the better i don't think she was a very good governor and i don't think that she's a very good senator and kelly ayotte lost to Maggie Hassan, because so many Republicans would rather see her lose and see Maggie Hassan get in. And I thought it was very spiteful the way that they treated Kelly Ayotte. And up until about a year or so ago, I, st- I still got Christmas cards from her. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, and I was I'm, I was proud to support her. And she was prob- her campaign and what she experienced was probably one of the moments where I sort of woke up and I realized for the last time, we're getting screwed. We're getting screwed by our politicians and we're getting screwed by our political parties. Because if you don't support your party 100%, even when they're wrong, they will eat you alive. If you don't support the nominee, no matter how problematic he is, they'll throw you the wolves and i'm i'm not proud of the way that a lot of my republican friends behaved i'm I'm really not yeah 
And it, it really sort of like tip, that was the tipping point when I realized I really ought to start calling myself an independent or libertarian or something else or non, uh, non-affiliated. Right. And like, as you've pointed out in previous podcasts, you know, when you, when you're talking to a politician and you say, I'm a huge fan, I can't wait to vote for you. They know they've got you. Oh, absolutely. And when you talk to them and you say, I haven't decided who I'm voting for yet. I need you to convince me why I should vote for you. Why, you know, my vote is still in play and I have no idea who I'm voting for just yet. I have not made up my mind. That's when they start courting you. Right. That's when they start, you know, giving you the sweetheart eyes and fluttering eyelashes and all that shit. Right, right. Woo me. Win me over. Court me. Give me a reason why I should vote for you. And it, um... During the last primary, I listened to everything that I possibly could from all the other Democrats that I could stomach. Tulsi Garrett is the one Democrat who said things that are almost a hundred percent in line. Not, I'm not a not, I mean, almost a hundred, not a hundred percent. She has some issues that I'm kind of like, I, I'm not sure if I agree with her on that. But right. I, I thought that if Donald Trump had to lose to a Democrat, I would rather he lose to somebody that I admire and I respect. Right, and again, it's sticking by her principles. Right. You know, Tulsi Gabbard stuck by her principles. She she thought what the Democrat Party did to Bernie Sanders was absolute shit, said so, and actually resigned her position of leadership in the Democrat Party as a result, yeah. which is why they fuck her over every chance they get. Oh, right. Yeah. Um. So getting back to what Nick had said, Nick is absolutely totally right. Nicholas is absolutely totally right. Is that you do have to pay attention to your politicians. Um, but take them. I don't know if we should like take them quote seriously because you know that a politician is going to say whatever it is that they're going to say to get your vote or whatever the party platform is. Right. And I was talking to Harrison. I don't know if I could talk to him right now. I don't know if I could, because one of the things that we were, we were talking about yesterday, and he's such a smart kid because he pays attention. Why would you nominate a candidate who flip-flops on the issues of fracking and gay marriage and, and, and race equality? And why would you vote for somebody who has these dubious ties with foreign countries and foreign organizations. And it's it's the same thing with Trump. Why? I mean, there's so much evidence out there that says that he is profiting to some small extent, or his children are. Well, the family is. The family yeah. is. You have two people, and you ended the show, the last show that we did, that um, I put on yesterday. I put it on the server yesterday that you had said that it's gotten to with all the coverage that we have seen of Trump and Biden through all the other media outlets. There's no way that you can say that there is any significant difference between these two. Exactly. And I, I stand by that. But you should say it because you you literally just said it like <laughs> <laughs> less than a week ago. And And I. It's, it's disturbing to me that we have two people who are 
so alike and so smarmy and so problematic, I think is the term that, that people like to use nowadays. Right. They're just, the, the, to put it more bluntly, neither one of them are good people. I wouldn't trust either of these guys alone in a room with one of my daughters. Or your ex-wife. No, she can handle herself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I would not, with any woman I care about, I would not put them alone in a room with either one of these two guys. I really wouldn't. The fact that Donald Trump passes more, more has his policies are more closely aligned to my personal political beliefs doesn't mean that I think he's my guy. Doesn't right. mean that I'm willing to overlook any of that, which is why he didn't get my vote. And his some of the things he's done, I am really happy with. Some of the things he's done, I'm really not happy with. Right. But most of his most of his policies align with my own, with what I would like to see done. But I'm still not voting for him because he's not a good person. He just isn't. Anyone who looks at Donald Trump and says, that's the kind of person I want to be, makes me seriously wonder about their motivations in life. And you can say the exact same thing about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not a good person. The fact that his none of his policies align with what I like means he's never getting my vote. But I'm not voting for Trump either, and I haven't voted for Trump either because of that. They're, they're, just, they're just horrible people is what it boils down to for me. And I'm getting tired of constantly choosing the lesser of two evils. When you choose the lesser of two evils, you're still getting evil. You're getting yeah. stuck with someone that's evil. And I would rather vote for a third person, a third party rather, who I think is at least – not a horrible person. I would rather vote for someone who I would not feel ashamed being associated with in public. You know, there's a lot of people I know who are pinching their noses and voting for Donald Trump because they can't stand Joe Biden. Right. If you're not, you know, if, if you're not all behind your candidate, why the hell are you voting for them? Now, that doesn't say that doesn't mean that I'm waiting and holding out for that one candidate who I agree with 100 percent because that's never going to happen. But I at least want to vote for a candidate with whom I agree uh, at least 10%. Right. That isn't some sort of horrible person. And need that's neither Joe Biden nor Donald Trump. No. Just isn't. They're just horrible people. No. There's and getting back to the whole no, notion of vote blue no matter who. Yeah. We have a candidate on the ballot who is running for, if, if I say who this is, people will probably be very, they'll be able to figure out who it is that I'm talking about pretty easily. I don't want to give her any press that she doesn't deserve. Um, but she's a she is a loathsome person and she is pro-internet censorship. We should shut down the voices of people who don't agree with us. And if you say something bad about her or another candidate, she will use the power of her candidacy or her office to shut you down. And that there are people who are like, vote blue no matter who. So if I bl vote blue, knowing full, full well that this person is a monster and knowing full well that she, she is probably going to use her office to score some old vendettas, I still have to vote for her because she's blue? Right. In spite of the fact that she's against 
the freedom of speech or she's all for freedom of speech as long as it's speech she agrees oh with no that's exactly her. it she's all in favor of that yeah and that terrifies me that people seem to think that you need to stand you need to vote for your candidate your your person as it were you need to vote for the person everybody who is in your party no matter how awful they are but once they step out of line once they don't once they like refuse to endorse the anointed one then you can throw her in the woods throw her to the wolves like they did to kelly ayotte that to me is 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 bothersome and, and is disturbing that sort of that mentality that mindset um I want to I want to switch gears and I want to talk about what happened yesterday. The showdown between Ted Cruz. Oh, yeah. And Jack Dorsey. Now, one of the things that we have also been talking a lot here on the podcast, uh, we've been talking about big tech censorship. We've been talking about it so so much. I I, kind of think that we're starting to sound like a broken record. Uh, and the and the problem is, is that a lot of our pages on the Fedora Chronicles you cannot find because they're blocked by Google. If you use Google to search for some of our past episodes, specific past episodes, or articles that I have written on the Fedora Chronicles main site, you can't find them using Google. You can find them using any other search engine but Google. Now... I'm not a fan of Ted Cruz either. I think that there's something about Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is a little, I, I don't know what the word is. You can probably think of, there's something There's something about him that's maybe, I don't know. It's, I don't want to say he's too slick, but he's not too slick. <laughs> I don't want to say he's too smarmy because he's, he's, he's smarmy, but he's not that smarmy. Um, there's something, there is something about him that's off-putting. Um, I want to play this clip. It's an eight. It's 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 practically a nine minute long clip. And when you hear something or if I hear something that I want to comment on, I'm going to pause it. And if you say, you know, stop the press, stop the press. Just let me know. Let's and and let's let's see how this works. I'm going to be so impressed if this works (laughs) with the setup. Chairman, I want to thank you, Mr. Chairman, for holding this hearing. The three witnesses we have before this committee today collectively pose, I believe, the single greatest threat to free speech in America and the greatest threat we have to free and fair elections. Yesterday, I spent a considerable amount of time speaking with both Mr. Zuckerberg and Mr. Pichai. I have concerns about the behavior of both of their companies. I would note that Facebook is at the minimum at least trying to make some efforts in the direction of defending free speech. I appreciate their doing so. Google, I agree with the concerns that Senator Klobuchar raised. I think Google has more power than any company on the face of the planet. And the- I'm going to interject here. And he's referring to other clips that we're going that we're probably going to play later. And that there's there's I think there's one clip from AB Klobuchar which I was shocked when I heard her statement um i might i might play that right after this but what basically ted cruz is saying is because they have 90 percent or or more search engine 
requests or they get they get 90% or more search engine traffic. They have more control than any other company should. And it is obvious that they are censoring search results. Oh, yeah. The antitrust concerns are real. The impact of Google is profound. And I expect we will have continued and ongoing discussions about Google's abuse of that power and its willingness to manipulate search outcomes to influence and change election results. But today, I want to focus my questioning on Mr. Dorsey and on Twitter. Because of the three players before us, I think Twitter's conduct has by far been the most egregious. Mr. Dorsey, does Twitter have the ability to influence elections? No. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You don't believe Twitter has any ability to influence elections? No, we are one part of a spectrum of communication channels that people have. So you're testified to this committee right now that, that, that Twitter, when it silences people, when it censors people, when it blocks political speech, that has no impact on elections? Right. People, can you pause it real quick? Of course. This is the CIO of a company, a CEO of yep. a company who their job, what they do is influence. In fact, they have a group of people that they call influencers right as part of it and now he's basically saying yeah um what my company does is actually all bullshit um right. we we really don't have any any influence or authority at all it's all just propaganda bullshit senator Cruz is what it is by the way i'm just going to interject here jack dorsey looks like crap oh my god yes he I'm looks like he, i mean when you hear the term covid hair and you look at Jack Dorsey, there's a part of you that kind of goes, is it COVID or crack? I mean, holy crap, pal. You're worth a couple of billion dollars and... Maybe run a brush through your hair. Possibly shower once in a while. All right. I'm just going to... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Impact on elections. People people have choice of other communication channels with which... Not if, not if they don't hear information. If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? Uh, well, we have policies that are focused on making sure that more voices on the platform are possible. We see a lot of abuse and harassment, which ends up silencing people and having them leave from the platform. All right, Mr. Dorsey, I find your opening questions, your opening answers absurd on their face. But let's talk about the last two weeks in particular. As you know, I have long been concerned about Twitter's pattern of censoring and silencing individual Americans with whom Twitter disagrees. But two weeks ago, Twitter and to a lesser extent, Facebook crossed a threshold that is fundamental in our country. Two weeks ago, Twitter made the unilateral decision to censor the New York Post in a series of two blockbuster articles, both alleging evidence of corruption against Joe Biden. The first concerning Ukraine, the second concerning communist China. And Twitter made the decision, number one, to prevent users, any user, from sharing those stories. And number two, you went even further and blocked the New York Post from sharing on Twitter its own reporting. Why did Twitter make the decision to censor the New York Post? Uh, we had a hack materials policy. Um, that we when was that policy adopted? 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jack Dorsey says they have a hacked materials policy where they do Which not. Is just a bold faced lie on the bold faced lie. They allow WikiLeaks to post links to the articles on their website, which is nothing but hacked material that did a lot to disprove some of the claims that George W. Bush made after we entered the the war in Afghanistan. It was WikiLeaks who, in part, exposed some of the war crimes that had been committed in Iraq, like like the drone strike on civilians that I'm sure that we've all seen the video of, the black and white video. And if you haven't, it's disturbing as hell. Yeah. And it's not you, like a, uh, was it a wedding, right? I th- I'm not sure if it was a wedding. I, it was a public gathering. That's, all, that's yeah. all I can remember. And there was another where there was, I think there was like a, a, an Apache helicopter that was off in the distance and it was watching a transaction between two guys in a truck, two guys in two trucks, exchanging um, material back and forth. We have no idea what it is, but they're they're convinced that it was high explosives. And this Apache truck showed to the rest of the world what high caliber bullets can do to the human body and what what it looks like in infrared. And it's those are disturbing. If they're terrorists and they're about to blow up American soldiers, well, I'm sorry, that's that's too bad. But we uh, we don't know the full context of that video. But, it, but WikiLeaks did a great job exposing what's really going on in the Middle East and our involvement in the Middle East. And much of that, all of that, you could share on Twitter. And to a lesser extent, the war crimes that have been committed during the Obama administration, you could share that on, on Twitter. You can share links from WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks is nothing more than an organization that dispenses hacked material from the U.S. government, all the branches of the U.S. government, nothing is safe. And not just the U.S. government, but other governments, too. Right. But specifically. Yeah. Um, for Jack Dorsey to say that they have a policy against sharing hacked material is a bold-faced lie. It's a bold-faced yeah. lie. They're lying to you. Jack Dorsey yeah. is lying to Ted Cruz right now. Yeah. And, and he even, Ted Cruz, that is, even mentions that later on in this in this exchange even flat out quotes okay you do realize according to section blah 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 that lying to congress in this manner is is a crime right i'm going to play i'm going to to start playing the clip again twitter make the decision to censor the new york post i gotta gotta go back china and twitter made the decision number one to prevent users any user from sharing those stories And number two, you went even further and blocked the New York Post from sharing on Twitter its own reporting. Why did Twitter make the decision to censor the New York Post? Uh, We had a hack materials policy. um, When was that policy adopted? Uh, In 2018, I believe. In 2018, go ahead. What was was the policy? So the policy is around um, limiting the spread of materials uh, that are hacked. Um, we didn't want Twitter to be a distributor for hack materials. Um, we found that the New York Post, because 
it showed the direct materials, screenshots of the direct materials, and it was unclear how those were attained, that it felt that it fell under this policy. Now, so in your view, if it's unclear the source of, uh, of a document, and in this instance, the New York Post documented what it said the source was, which it said it was a, uh, a laptop owned by Hunter Biden that had been turned into a re re repair store. So they weren't hiding what they claimed to be the source. Is it, is it your position that Twitter, when you can't tell the source, blocks blocks press stories? No, not at all. Um, we our, our team made a fast decision. Uh, the enforcement action, however, of blocking URLs, both in tweets and uh, in DM, in direct messages, we believe was incorrect. And we changed it. Today, right hours. now, the New York Post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later. Yes, they have to log into their account, which they can do at this minute, delete the original tweet, which fell under our original enforcement actions, and they can tweet the exact same material and the exact same article, and it would go through. So, Mr. Dorsey, your ability is you have the power to force a media out. And let's be clear, the New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. The New York Post is over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And your position is that, that you can sit in Silicon Valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish and you can tell the American people what reporting they can hear. Is that right? No, this was this was a, you know, every person, every account, uh, every uh, organization that signs up to Twitter agrees to a terms of service. Uh, terms of service. Is so public. media outlets must genuflect and obey your dictates if they wish to be able to communicate with readers. Is that right? No, not at all. We, you know, we we recognize an error in this policy, and specifically the enforcement. You're still blocking their posts. It. You're we still blocking their posts right now. Today, you're blocking their posts. We're not blocking the posts. Anyone can tweet. Can the New York Post uh, post on their on a Twitter account? If they go into their account. No, is your answer to that? No, unless they genuflect and agree with your dictates. Let me ask you something. Thank you. You, you claimed it was because of a hacked materials. Yeah. So here's where I struggle. Right. Twitter has every right to not allow everyone and their mother to post anything they want. They sure. have every right to do that. Right. However, that being said, what Twitter has done is dishonest. And what Jack Dorsey is doing right now is illegal. He is lying in in Congress. He is outright lying unless he's an incompetent CEO, which is nothing that anyone has ever claimed in regards to Jack Dorsey. No one has ever said he was incompetent. But unless he's completely incompetent and is completely unaware of the fact that his company that he runs is still blocking links and posts to that, he's trying to do a politician maneuver here where he says, I'm sorry that you feel that way and making it sound like they're actually that's an actual apology when it isn't by saying that if they log in and delete that post, they'll be able to continue posting, is what he's saying. And he's also trying to say that they've made adjustments to their policy that should no longer affect that post. Well, if they've made adjustments to their policy that no longer affect that post, why do they have to delete that post? And if that policy exists, why are there, well, there's actually several accounts on Twitter that are still posting. 
WikiLeaks being the most obvious one. The most obvious one. If they have an anti-hacked policy, why does WikiLeaks even have an account? Why haven't they been told flat out, until you change your entire mode of operation, you are no longer to use our platform, if that is their policy? He's lying through his teeth, and everyone who's paying any attention knows it. They know he is. You, ha- you, you, you have to know. You have to know that he's lying. Yeah. It's just, it's so blatant. And the the fact that he's lying in Congress lets you know the hubris that's behind it, the sheer arrogance behind it. He is absolutely, in one way, he's absolutely correct. Because what are they going to do if Senator Ted Cruz calls for, you know, a, I don't know, a fine to be levied against them? What's he going to do? First thing he's going to do is shut off Ted Cruz's Twitter. Account. Yeah, that's the first thing he's going to do, and you know it as well as I know it. They, they, they prevented Congress itself and the Republican Party from posting links to the New York Post article on Twitter. If you're using Twitter today, and you think it is a good platform as a means of free speech, you're deluding yourself. It's okay for you to talk about things that they deem it's okay for you to talk about, which, by the way, is their right. Oh, well, I mean, as a privately held company, they can do that. It's their platform. They don't have to let everyone on it if they don't want to. Just know that you're dealing with people who give lip service to freedom of speech, which, again, doesn't really apply to them because it's like. You don't have to tolerate certain things in your own house because it's your house. Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what they're doing in Twitter. Well, what I object to is them lying about it. I would have more respect for Jack Dorsey if when Ted Cruz said, so you're blocking the story. Yes, I don't. I am not the federal government. The, the first the Second Amendment does not. Our First Amendment does not apply to me. This is something that my company owns. No one has to use it if they don't want to. They can use other platforms. There's other platforms out there. Bonus points if he could name three. Yeah. Because I can only think of one. But bonus points if he can name three competitors out there. But I would have more respect for him if he said, yeah, we absolutely can influence elections. This is a private platform. It is not owned by the federal government. We are subject to regulation by the federal government. But I can refuse service to anyone for any reason. Yeah. Um, I would actually have more respect for him for that because that's honest. Be, I mean, and just to, to interject here, I just posted the link to that news story. I just put the the one that had previously been blocked. Mm-hmm. I just posted a minute ago. At Jack says it's okay to post this yesterday. What happens if I try? It's now up. You can you can now post the links to the article that you couldn't before. So I guess right. well now he's he's got to prove that he's not lying at this point. Well now he does. Yeah. All right. Such. Ugh. But the thing, but as of today, it's not a lie. But when he said this yesterday, it was. It was. Let's see. Let's let's listen to the rest of this uh, policy. I, just, I find that facially. Uh, Highly dubious and clearly employed in, in in a deeply partial way. Did Twitter block the distribution of the New York Times' story a few weeks ago that purported to be based on copies 
of President Trump's tax returns? We didn't find that a violation of our terms of service and this policy in particular because it was reporting about the material. It wasn't distributing the material. Okay, well, that's actually not true. They, they posted what they purported to be original source materials, and federal law, federal statute makes it a crime, a federal felony, to distribute someone's tax returns against their knowledge. So that material was based on something that was distributed in violation of federal law, and yet Twitter gleefully allowed people to circulate that. But when the article was critical of Joe Biden, Twitter engaged in rampant uh, censorship and silencing. And again, we recognized errors in that policy. We, we changed it within 24 hours. This is, this but is you're still blocking the New York Post. You haven't changed it. We have changed it. They can log into their account, delete the original tweet. Uh, that was you forced the Politico reporter to take down his post about the New York Post as well. Is that correct? Within that 24-hour period, yes. But we, you know, as the policy has changed, anyone can tweet. So Twitter takes the view. You can censor the New York Post. You can censor Politico. Presumably, you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you? and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? And why do you persist in behaving as a democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Let, let's give uh, Mr. Dorsey uh, uh, a few seconds to answer that, and th then we'll have to conclude this. this um... Yeah. Two, two things, real quick. One, holy shit, Ted Cruz is a smarmy son of a bitch. Yes. However, you can definitely see the lawyer. You can definitely see the lawyer in Ted Cruz. Absolutely. You absolutely can. I have this other three-minute clip here. Um, let me think here. I'm wondering if they actually introduced the name of this. I, I, don't, I don't know the name of this, of, of this senator. I, I don't know who this guy's name, but I'm just going to play the clip anyway. With take censorship related actions against the president, against members of his administration, against the New York on B, the Federalist pro-life groups, and there are countless other examples. In fact, I, I think the trend is clear that you, you almost always censor, meaning uh, and when I use the word censor here, I, I, I meaning uh, uh, I mean block content, fact check uh, or label content or uh, demonetize websites of conservative, Republican, or pro-life individuals or groups or companies contradicting your commercial promises. But I don't see this suppression of high-profile liberal commentators. So, for example, have you, have you ever censored a Democratic senator? How about President Obama? How about a Democratic presidential candidate? How about Planned Parenthood? or NARAL, or Emily's List. So uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, Mr. Dorsey, and, and Mr. Pekai, can, can any of you, and, and let's go in that order, uh, Zuckerberg, Dorsey, and then Pekai, can you name for me one high-profile person or entity from a liberal ideology who you have censored and, and what particular action you took? Uh, Senator, I can get you a, a, a list of some more of this, but there are certainly many examples that your, your Democratic colleagues um, object to when, when um, you know, a fact checker might label something as false that they disagree with or um, they're yeah, not able yeah, to... I, I, I get that. 
I, I get that. I just want to be clear. I'm, I'm just asking you if you can name for me uh, uh, one high-profile liberal person or company who you've censored. I understand that the, the, uh, you're saying that there are complaints on both sides, but I just, I just want one name of one person or one entity. Um, Senator, I need to I need to think about it and 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 get you more of a list. But but there are certainly many many issues on both sides of the aisle where people think we are we are making content moderation decisions that they disagree with. Jay, he can't name yeah. a single liberal that they've censored. Mark yeah, Zuckerberg, not at the top of their head. Mark Zuckerberg, can, he needs if you to wait. We'll give you a list. If you yeah, let me get back to you with that list. Name name one liberal politician or organization that you've censored. He can't come up with a single name. Name one conservative person or organization that they've censored. Well, they can do that off the top of their heads because that's why they're sitting in those fucking seats talking to Congress. And they don't see. And here's the thing: you don't you don't see a problem with this. You don't see a problem with this. I do. Well, no, I'm not, I mean, you know yeah, who I no, mean. I know what you mean. You is in the public. I, I got that. And I think everybody on this call could uh, agree that they could identify at least um, uh, five, maybe 10, maybe more high profile conservative exam uh, examples. Uh, what about you, Mr. Dorsey? Well, we, we can um, give a more exhaustive list. Um, but again, we don't have an understanding of political ideology yeah, not, of our accounts. But I'm not asking for an exhaustive list. I'm asking for a single example. One, just one individual, one entity, anyone. We, we've we've taken action on tweets from members of the House for election misinfo. Can you identify any example? Yes, with two two Democratic um, two two Democratic uh, Congress people on election what are their names? I'll I'll get those those names too. Great, great. And take and that that was uh, Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee. Yeah. Who I've been told by people in my state I should be ashamed of supporting. Right, right. Senator Blackburn raised this good point here. If she'll, if she'll agree to talk. <laughs> so I want to go back to con uh, Senator Gardner's questions. You claimed earlier that the Holocaust denial and threats of Jewish gen genocide by Iran's terrorist Ayatollah don't violate Twitter's so-called rules and that it's important for world leaders like Iran's terrorist leader to have a platform on Twitter. So let me ask you this, who elected the Ayatollah? Um, I don't know. You don't know? Okay. Uh, I think this is called a dictatorship. So are people in Iran allowed to use Twitter or does the country whose leader you claim deserves a platform ban them from doing so? Uh, ideally, we would love for the people of Iran to, to use Twitter. Um, yeah. Well, Iran bans Twitter, and Mr. Zuckerberg, I know you are aware they ban Facebook also. So, Mr. Dorsey, is Donald Trump a world leader? Yes. Okay. So, it would be important for world leaders to have access to your platform, correct? Correct. And so oh why God, do you, you deny that voice. platform via censorship to the U.S. president? We haven't censored the U.S. president. Oh, yes, you have. How many posts from Iran's terrorist Ayatollah have you censored? Um, How many posts from Vladimir Putin have you censored? We have, we have labeled tweets 
uh, world leaders. Uh, we have okay. a policy around not taking down the content, but simply adding more president. context around it. Okay. And the U.S. president you have censored 65 times. You testified that you're worried about disinformation and election interference. That is something we all worry about. And of course, for about 100 years, foreign sources have been trying to influence U.S. policy in U.S. elections. Now they're onto your platforms. So I want to go back. Damn it. When I say stop, I mean stop. <laughs> um, you could totally hear it in his voice when she said, so what about the president of the United States? You could kind of, yeah. <laughs> he knows goddamn good and well that he's censored Trump. Oh, absolutely. He I'm, knows he has. Oh, he knows he has. And he, and he knows he has. Here's, he's he, going to say he hasn't. Here's the thing. Oh, he's lying. I, listen, I want to know the crazy things that the president is saying so I can make an informed choice later on. I want to hear what crazy people have to say so I can point to that and say, that's an example of a crazy person. And the thing yeah. is, if the Ayatollah who says the craziest shit, like Hitler was off to a good start, or we have to drive the Jews back into the ocean. Or Which are both things the Ayatollah has tweeted. The, the Ayatollah has said, I, I'm not I'm not sure if Louis Farrakhan is on Twitter, but I know for a fact that Louis Farrakhan has called Jews in the state of Israel devils and evil. He has said some of the most despicable things about Jews. I wonder if you want to take a minute and you want to see if Louis Farrakhan has a has a Twitter account. I'll take a look real quick. Foreign leaders can say the craziest shit that they want on Twitter with absolutely... Oh, look, where's Louis Farrakhan has a Twitter account? No shit. I wonder how many times he's been censored. The only thing that I really disliked about Senator Blackburn and what she, what she did during her call is that on the in the background, you can see stacks of her books on display that, that, that or, or multiple copies of the book that she wrote. I'm not going to pitch too much about uh, that. All right. Free advertising. Yeah, yeah, you're a better man than me. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're just jealous because we can't do it. <laughs> uh, I do. I want, I want to, I want to play because the thing is we have not had um, Sadur Pachai's um, statements on here. I'm going to, I'm going to play this two minute long clip from Amy Klobuchar, the woman who came in. I think she came in third in our primary here in, in New Hampshire. Uh, Mr. Pichai, um, I have not really liked your response to the lawsuit and what's been happening. I think we need a change in competition policy for this country. I hope I'll be able to ask you more about it at the Judiciary uh, Committee. And I think your response isn't just offensive, it's been defiant to the Justice Department and suits all over the world. You control almost 90% of all general search engine queries, 70% of the search advertising market. Don't you see these practices as anti-competitive? Uh, Senator, uh, we are a popular general purpose search engine. We do see robust competition in many categories of information. And, uh, you know, we, in, we invest significantly in R&D. We are innovating. We are lowering prices in all the markets we are operating and happy to, uh, you know, uh, engage and discuss it further. Well, one of your employees testified before the antitrust subcommittee last month, and he suggested that Google wasn't dominant in ad tech, that it was only one of many companies in a highly competitive ad tech landscape. Yet Google has 90% of the publisher ad server market. 
a product of its double click acquisition. Does the market sound highly competitive to you when you have 90% of it? Very brief answer. Many publishers can use simultaneously many tools. Amazon and Trade Desk alone have grown significantly in the last two years. Uh, you know, we this, this is a market in which we share majority of our revenue. Our margins are low. We are happy to take feedback here. We are trying to support the publishing industry, but you know, definitely open to feedback and happy to engage in discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Well, I think you've gotten you, feedback Senator from the Boston. So uh, well, I'm looking forward to Thank you, ma'am. Stop talking. Ma'am, stop talking. Stop yeah, talking. So what is, who is that guy that keeps interrupting? That's the chairman of the hearing. The, the, uh, the guy who's actually in charge. I don't know his name. I don't care. <laughs> I think we've established that he's, he's really not in charge. He's really not Maybe. in, he's, he's, um, he, <laughs> He, he is about as much of in charge as I am here in the house when Carol is on a tear. Right. You know? Right. I mean, come on. Who's in charge? <laughs> yeah. Who's really in charge? I'm, 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 I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when Carol is on a tear and she wants the house clean and she wants, she wants everything put away where it belongs. She wants things done and she wants it done now. Uh, I'm just one of the kids. I'm just like, I'll do whatever mommy tells me to do as long as, <laughs> as long. I'm sorry, mommy. I didn't. As long as she doesn't hit me in the face, because that's the money maker. Uh, yeah, we're uh, gonna get in trouble. I. I <laughs> I can just imagine Carol's cousins and uh, her friends from work listening to this. Is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But at the same time, you also know damn well they're going to go and say, did you hear what Eric said? <laughs> I'm so dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Uh, so I, I, but the thing is, the thing is, is that I think that we've we proved our point. And yeah. that there is the extent of which that we're going to do whatever we want and we're not going to change the rules until we are actually forced to give testimony in front of a senatorial committee. And then we're going to change just to say that we've made a change. I wonder how long this tweet of mine is going to stay up. Well, that's just it. And. We know at least from Google, we know Twitter's done it, we know Google has done it, we know Facebook has done it, that they will ban you first and then make the policy afterwards. Yes, and they and they will change the policy to suit the needs of the moment. Jack Dorsey just said that in so many yeah. words. Yeah. So within 24 hours, they reevaluated and changed it. Okay. Yeah. Just like, you know. It's funny um, how that works, Jay. Yeah, well, yeah. And Google did the same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. They blocked her first and then reevaluated and said, no, 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 maybe we shouldn't do that. The damage, that might not be a good idea. And But the damage had already been done. That's exactly it. The damage. But they can, they can stand up in court and say, well, you know, we did reevaluate and realized it was wrong glossing over the fact that for years they've been denying they had that ability to begin with. For years, their defense had been, well, you know, the, the, the algorithm's the algorithm. We can't, we can't change the algorithm. 
And yet they did it on the fly to Tulsi Gabbard, proving that they had been lying for years. And if it's new functionality, they never admitted it was new functionality. No. They just kind of assume everyone knows now that that's what they do. And they pretty much have always been doing it. But, you know, it's it's just so, oh, it, it, it pisses me off because they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it. What is the government going to do to them? And again, part of that is because they absolutely are private companies. Sure. And they absolutely have the right to not allow someone to say something that they disagree with. They have that right. That is what it means to be a private individual. Now, we can get into the whole, do does a corporate entity deserve to be treated like an individual with all the rights thereof? I personally don't think so, but that has been set down as precedent in law. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's bullshit, but it is. That's what the legal precedent is, and this is where things get always seem to get so infuriating, fucked up. I can't find the right word to encapsulate my feelings here. Um, don't mince words. What do you really think, Chip? <laughs> right. I mean. Corporations act like individuals when it suits them, and they act like they're not individuals when it suits them as well. And that goes all the way to political donations. It goes to the way they treat certain things. I personally think any organization like Twitter, for example, should be subject to freedom of speech because they are not an individual. However, that is not the legal precedent the legal precedent is that they are they are free to post and behave as if they are a private citizen because that is the legal precedent yeah i disagree with that i don't think that is appropriate but what what here's the thing what can we do about it we can't do anything and now at this point it's essentially a power grab by the federal government to start imposing that now. Well, it's essentially all, it is, and you know it. Oh yeah, I mean the thing is, is it's really hard for me to choose a side and say, "Wow, you guys are great. You're awesome. You're on my side." It's really hard. I can't look at either of both sides here and say one side is a hundred percent right. Because, I mean, on the one hand, Twitter says it's a it's a platform for free speech for everybody when it suits their purposes. But when they when they hit a brick wall, they're allowed to say that they're a private entity and they can do whatever they want. Right. They, they can literally have it both ways. Yep. And they can and they literally change the policies at a whim to suit their purposes. Jack Dorsey yep. just said they changed the policy because read between the lines. He's he's in hot water because they wanted to. Sure. Yeah. I don't know what to say about this other than the fact that you you ought to you ought to be deeply concerned about the Senate, the conservatives, many conservatives and some of the Democrats, some of the conservatives. Some of the Republicans, some of the liberal Democrats are saying 
admit, hey, this is a problem. We need to put standards in place. We we need we need to put we need right, to break. That's also that's a Pandora's box, though. Is that a box you want opened? Is that an authority you want the federal government to have? Fuck no. Therein lies the problem. This is the government having let corporations get away with shit for so long that now we're in a position where. These these corporations can literally do anything they fucking want at this point. They can say and do anything because what are you going to do? Is the government going to break them up? Well, yeah, they can. But then is that power that you want the federal government to have to break up any company for reasons to be determined later? No. And is that any better than what Twitter and, and Facebook and Google are doing now? They make the rules up as they go. To some extent, the government has to make up rules as they go. However, there is a process that should be followed for doing that. I do not have any confidence in the government right now. No, I, I do don't not either. Trust, yeah, I don't have I don't have any trust. Corporations, the private corporations, either. I don't know what it's to a say. Really, yeah, it's a really uncomfortable situation to be in. I don't know what to you say. Know, I honestly yeah. don't know. I honestly don't know what to say. Neither do I, dude. I mean, it's it's infuriating to me because I understand the reasons why, for example, the legal precedent is the way it is. Right. right? I understand why historically they the decision was made to treat private corporations as private, as individual people. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand the history behind it. Yeah. And then they go and pull shit like this and you're like, well, what the fuck? You know, because if you're a private citizen, you're limited into you're limited to how many people can hear your voice. Right. Barring technology. But now you have these tech giants who are acting like individuals and they're able to stifle. I mean, the only people who I can stifle their freedom of speech on my property are the people that can fit on my property. Right. That's it. And even then I can only exert that to an extent and I can throw them off my property and they can stand on the goddamn sidewalk right. and shout whatever they want as loudly as they want to as large an audience as they want. As long as they don't stand on my property, I can't do shit about it. Right. So how do you apply that to a company? Is the company more like me and my house or is the company more like the sidewalk? And is the government the right group of people to censor that? Ideally, it would be the free market that determines whether or not a company can get away with that or not. But we've abdicated that power for so long that we've lost it. We no longer have the power to exercise the free market principles the way we used to. Because we've not done it for so long. It's so there what's is, the resolution? There is there is no easy resolution to this. There honestly isn't. And it's like while I'm listening to you and while I was getting ready for another topic, I just I, I had to go through and accept or decline 
new members to our group. Yeah. And I do this often. And I look at these people's profiles and I say, do they really belong in the Fedora Chronicles group? Do they really belong in the Diesel Punk group? Do they belong to any of the groups that, that we run? And and I will decline people because for reasons. Right. And that is like, if I think that you are coming on to our platform to cause trouble and I look that you belong to all these spammy groups, I will not accept your request. While at the same time, I'm here saying, oh, my God, what, what Google and Twitter are doing by by blocking the New York Post, this is this is a bad thing. And yeah, I'm, so there's a part of you that's like, am I playing? Am I a hypocrite for doing this? I think that I'm hypocritical on on some aspects of this, and I admit that. I admit oh, that yeah. there there's an aspect to this that I don't want to pay for a platform like a forum where people pay money. Well, I'm paying money to give other people the uh, the opportunity and the privilege to call me an asshole. We right. when we were when we first when we first had the Fedora Chronicles forum. Or back when we had the Fedora Chronicles forum, um, there was a guy, his username was Monkey. I don't know why he picked that name Monkey. And he was a moderator on another forum. And he campaigned hard to get me kicked off of that other forum. And when he showed up on our forum, he he was consistently signing up again and again and again to get on our platform. And I said, okay, I'm going to give him another chance. And it took him a while to prove once again, he's an asshole. He's a bad person. Yeah. He's exactly the kind of person I would not leave in a room with my wife or children. There's something about him that's off. And I'll leave it at that. And, And it got to the point where I said, hey, listen, you campaigned hard to get me off of your forum. If you want to be on my forum, you got to get me back on yours. And you wouldn't do it. I have every freaking right to do that. I have every right to be an ass about it. I have every right to be a vindictive prick if I want to. Absolutely. And I can easily say, he's doing it. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't want you on my forum. And then it got to the point where it's like, I can't do the forum anymore. Because every every time I turn around, there's a new update that causes the forum to crash. And we have to start over again. I'm saying, fuck it. It's up now. I haven't looked at it in months. You can you can post on it if you're a member. I mean, no offense, but no offense taken. No offense taken. No no offense taken. It's like the Facebook group that we have and the one that we have on MeWe and on Parlor and on Minds. That's that's because I doing the podcast takes so much of my time. Right. I just I can't I can't moderate the forum raise my kids do go to work and do the podcast i can't do it yeah there's only so many hours in a day right and it was just like if i don't want you on my platform that i pay for i pay for this platform right with the exception of the help of our patreons and people who buy our products on zazzle i pay for this yep and if i don't want if i don't want you on my platform calling me an asshole you're gone that's it. End of story. But the thing is, is that it's like, and I, and, and I tried to have the attitude that, okay, hey, this is, hey, this is our, this is our forum. This is our website. Yeah. And the more that I did that, the more people had used that as an opportunity. It's like, hey, dudes, I'm trying to be a good guy here. And you're making it so needlessly fucking difficult right. to do that. And I, I said, fuck it. 
You want to act like you can do that on your own forum. I'm not going to fucking pay for you to have the privilege to say everything that I say. Just just shit on every one of my points. Right. Because it makes you feel good because I guess you have a, a, a tiny dick or something. Right. That, and that's not, that's unnecessary. We don't need this shit. Life is too short for this. And life is shorter for others. So the thing is, is that it was just like, I'm going to I'm going to put a pin in this in this topic and say that I'm glad the Senate is at least having hearings on this. Right. And it, and I get a really bad feeling when I see Twitter blocking articles that could help change people's minds one way or another in this election. I see what they are doing is purposefully election tampering. I think they are purposefully trying to sway the election. Oh, yeah. And anyone who says that they're not, including, by the way, Jack Dorsey, are lying. Yeah. They're either lying to us or they're lying to themselves. But either way, they're fucking lying. You know, and again, I understand the legal precedent behind why corporations are treated, are given the latitude that and the rights that an individual is. I'm not necessarily agreeing with it. I don't think that that's right because a company is not an individual. No. Right. Do they need to have certain rights? Yes. Yes, they do. But they don't get all of the rights of an individual. On the other hand, the flip side of that scares the shit out of me. I don't want the government to have that much oversight over what a company does, how a company runs its business, right? It's demonstrably problematic to have people who don't know how to run a business try and tell a business how it should be run. It'd be like taking parenting advice from a three-year-old. Right. You know, it's just not a good idea. It, it's and it's infuriating to me to see and know that we've gone this far in this country. And what are we going to do about it? How can we fix it? There's a part of me that we've thinks- made mistakes in the past, but we either got to give an inordinate amount of power to governments, which I am opposed to doing on general principles, or we've got to give an inordinate amount of power to companies, which I am opposed to for very various yeah. reasons. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So who would you rather have that level of power and authority? And that's where we're at right now, is who do you trust with that level of power. I don't know. It's an uncomfortable question. I don't trust anyone really with that level of power. I don't want the government to have that level of authority over a private company. But at the same time, I don't like seeing private companies run amok with that level of power and authority that they have. So how do we, what's the resolution for it? For someone like me, who basically thinks the way I do about companies and, and privacy and all that other shit. Right. I'm in a real quandary here. I'm not at all comfortable with the decisions that these companies are making while simultaneously saying I'm not comfortable with government being able to step in and take that much control over those companies. There has to be a medium somewhere. There has to be a point where 
The government has the power it needs, and the private companies have the freedoms they need. But where is that point? And I, I, I fear that that point is mutable and movable, depending on the technologies that come out. To some extent, the government needs to have a certain level of power. To a certain extent, it needs to not have too much power. Companies need to have a certain amount of freedoms, but they need to not have too many freedoms. We almost need like a business bill of rights that assigns rights to corporations that is limited from some of the rights of individuals. Yeah. I don't think a company should have, like for example, the Second Amendment, I don't believe applies to a private corporation. That's an individual right, not a corporate right. Freedom of speech, absolutely a corporate right. However, it applies to them on both sides of the coin. They shouldn't use their power to limit the speech of others, especially if that's what their job description is. Like Twitter, Facebook, this is supposed to be a forum for people to speak their minds. So therefore, you can't limit what they're saying on those minds. Does that mean that you may have to deal with things showing up in your feed like porn sites? Possibly. Because you can post... Yeah, you can you can post the craziest shit on Twitter. But as soon as you say Joe Biden or Hunter Biden is a doo doo head and here's the evidence, here's the evidence that we're going to prove that everything that we've said about how sleazy and awful Joe Biden is here. It is. Here's the evidence. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't post that. Even if it was one of the America's. um Largest and perhaps most dubious newspapers in the country. It's the fourth largest newspaper in the country. Nope, you can't publish links to that news story because it makes uh, Joe Biden look bad. And it could help Trump win the election. They, and, and that's the other thing. And maybe that's how we should leave it. I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to sway the election and trying to keep Donald Trump from becoming a two-term president they're using their platforms to prevent him from becoming president or re- remaining president. And they're trying to use their platform to get Trump out of office and help Joe Biden win. That's election tampering. And I think that that is a serious crime. And I, well, I, and I think it's something. Yeah. Right. I honestly would not mind if they did that so long as they came right out and said, hey, we are a platform for liberalism at least fucking be honest about it you can go over to parlor or parlay and that is obviously a conservative platform obviously right and the what i see that's going to happen with the next couple of years and i made this prediction and i'm going to make it again i think that you are going to start seeing more conservatives leave twitter for parlor and you are going to have two competing similar platforms, Twitter and Parler or Parlay, Twitter versus Parlay. And if you're a conservative, you go to Parlay. If you're a liberal, go to Twitter. If you're a conservative and you like to stir the shit and make liberals mad at you, go to Twitter for as long as they don't ban you. Yeah, until they decide to ban you, until they right. decided, like you did on your forum, enough's enough. We've had enough of right. your tomfoolery bullshit. Right. You know, hey, I honestly, I don't see a problem with that. I really don't. There's no reason why we can't have multiple platforms. And then, but then you get into the, well, Twitter is Twitter because they invented it. 
Right. They created that platform. So now is it okay for them to have to share their proprietary technology? Nope. Two competing businesses. Two competing businesses. If you, if we want to have open fair markets, if we want to have market competition, no. If you want to say you're a private corporation, go ahead and be a corporation. Whoever has the whoever has the best technology wins. Well, yeah, but that's kind of the point. Is that how can you compete with them if they invented the technology and you're not allowed to utilize it? Hey, I don't know. And right. and and Parlay is doing a great job all by themselves. I you know. They have they have a platform that works just as good as Twitter. I I don't have any problems with Parlay yet. No, I haven't either. And I'm still I'm not in the habit. I've never really used Twitter, so I'm trying to yeah. generate content on Parlay and I have to admit I'm really bad at it. Right. I'm awful. Yeah. But you you know, you just got you have to do it more and and you have to keep practicing. Exactly. The, the the simple the simple fact of the matter is is that this country is becoming more splintered, and it is and that we are more divided now than ever. And I don't see this getting any better. I don't see yeah. I, I don't see this getting any better. I don't I don't see the um I I don't see the rift closing. I think that I see the rift just widening. And I think that it yeah. was just like it's that's it. I think I think that it's like this is uh, this is a turning point for the for the country. Well, yeah, I yeah, I agree. I mean, part of things I get flustered by, I get bothered by, is when you people devolve into name calling. Well, they just started it. It's like, all right, so you're twelve. Congratulations. Um, how about maybe we just try and resolve the situation instead of just try and point fingers at each other as to who, quote unquote, started it and who didn't, you know, and th but that's how do we get past this? Politics has never been sunshine and roses, right? It really hasn't um, to some extent. Hey, we're doing better than Rome did because no one's none of our politicians have paid for each other to get assassinated. But how far are we are away from doing that? I mean, you've got the protests going on. I'm sorry, the riots going on in Philadelphia now. You've got the riots still happening in Portland. And allegedly, those are for political reasons. I don't think at the heart of it, that is what is going on. But how long is it before it really genuinely is? You know, are we devolving to a state where it's like, what is it, the... Um, the purge are we devolving to a state where hey there's one ninety twenty four 24 hours a year where you can commit any crime you want and where no one's going to even investigate it no yeah how far are we are we close to getting there i mean i've said for months now that we're actually in a dystopian novel we're in the beginning where they explain how everything went to shit we've got we also could be in the beginning of a cyberpunk novel where <laughs> Multi, you know, the megacorps are growing in power, and this is, could be what we're seeing with these talks with the tech, high-tech CEOs. Yeah. And again, if they have all of the rights that a private person does, then what's to stop them from having an armed security guard? Right. A lot of them do. They have armed security forces, you know? What's there to stop like a shadow run situation happening where 
corporate espionage is uh, a way of life for certain people. To some extent, it is today. Not quite to that level. It's not really life-threatening, but it is illegal. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.